Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing this morning? Hallelujah. Good? All right. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. If you would, before I do that, turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Matthew 24, verse 12. All right. It says, this is from the NIV. It says, because of the increase of wickedness, how many think there's an increase of wickedness in the world around us? I might be the only one. Anybody noticed an increase in wickedness all around us? So we all agree that that probably is occurring right now. And it says, the love of most will grow cold. Now, how many think the most, they define this as a majority, so at least 51%. Due to the increase in wickedness, the love of the majority will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And I'm going to give you another verse that we want to think about while we're praying. God gave this to me when we were worshiping. In John chapter 6, and it says, Jesus' speech made many of his disciples go back to the lives that they had led before they followed Jesus. Did you hear that? The speech that Jesus gave caused many of his disciples to go back to the lives they had led before they followed Jesus. So Jesus asked the 12 apostles, do you want... To leave me too. Simon Peter answered Jesus and said, Lord, to what person could we go? Your word gives eternal life. Besides, we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Lord put that scripture on my heart, and I want us to start really praying about that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I pray that you would endue me with power from on high, Lord, to speak your word. Beyond myself, Lord God, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right now, speak the words of God. You said we would speak like the oracles of God, the word directly from your throne. Father, I pray that we speak it and we hear it, Lord God. Lord, that we would um, take to heart uh, the careful instructions that we are to follow, Lord, as followers of you. And uh, we pray all these things, Lord, in your name. We pray, Lord Jesus, and everybody said... Amen. Hallelujah. So let me read that again. Because of the increase in wicked, of wickedness, the love of most or the majority will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The uh, title of my message is Cold Love. Cold love or a cold heart. Like, let's go with that. Cold heart. Ryan, if you can put that on the title of it. Cold heart. Uh, Let me read John 6.66 again. Jesus' speech made many of his disciples go back to their lives. They had led before they followed Christ. So Jesus asked the twelve apostles, do you want to leave me too? Simon Peter answered Jesus, Lord, to what person could we go? Your words give eternal life. Besides, we believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. Um, So as we go in Matthew 24 here, 
Uh, let's look at the context of the scripture first to see what God um, would like us to hear today. The context of this uh, Matthew 24 is uh, the disciples uh, came to him privately. In fact, in verse 3, I'll start. It says, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So they're asking multiple questions, uh, ending with what was the sign of the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places, and these are the beginnings of sorrows. Uh, And they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. How many think that was quite a message for his disciples to hear? (laughs) You're actually going to die. Um, they're going to kill you for your defense of me. And it says, then they would deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated by all nations for my namesake. Then many will be offended, betray one another and hate one another. There will be false prophets and many will rise up and defe- deceive many. Lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved, and the gospel will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations, and the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. So how many see that he is connecting uh, what his disciples are going to go through with the abomination that causes desolation, which happens in the tribulation? And so at the end here... He is definitely connecting that whole period of time from his disciples until the abomination and we're actually into the tribulation period. And he's saying in this end time period um, that there will be, in his words, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now let me give you a few other translations for that. Sin will be rampant everywhere. This is New Living Translation. How many know they're all trying to translate the original Greek here, right? Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. English Standard Version uh, translates it this way. Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Berean Standard Bible, because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Uh, King James because iniquity will ab- shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. New American Standard. Because lawlessness is increased, most people will become cold. So how many see there is a ratcheting up, there is a multiplication, there is an increase, there is a shift in lawlessness. Now that word lawlessness literally means... Uh, rebellion, um, just, in fact, I put it, iniquity, lawless, rebellion, or wicked. So there's going to come a time in the end where rebellion is going to be greatly multiplied, greatly increased. Um, All of these things, rebellion, how many think there's more rebellion now than you've ever seen in your life, rebellion toward God? 
And so he's giving us a warning here that because of that, and in the firmest words I can say this morning, this is a warning from God. That we have to be careful that our love does not grow cold because of the rebellion and the lawlessness that's all around us. And so this message is all about this this morning. And you look at this word cold in the Greek, and it literally means to cool, grow cold, to breathe on as the cause to chill. In fact, you go a little deeper in one of the, um, um, on help word studies, it says, um, by Vincent, he says that this is a spiritual wind that is chilled by a malign, evil, or poisonous wind. So how many have ever had something you put in the microwave and you have no sense of time? So you put a hot dog in there that, that dances on the glass and it's been there for three minutes and you just have no lick of sense when it comes to the microwave, right? How many have ever done that? And I wasn't thinking when I did that, but that microwave is, that hot dog's just dancing, right? And so here you've got something that's really hot. And so what do you do while you're waiting and you're trying to get it cool enough to actually eat where it doesn't burn your mouth? You blow on it, right? And so some people will put it in the refrigerator. Some people, everybody's got their methods. Some people drive down the highway and hold that hot dog out the window. And, you know, that's how the hillbillies do it in Posey County, right? But what this is saying is it's like that. That the wickedness that's around us is almost like a wind that is blowing on our love and it's causing it to cool. And because there's so much wickedness, so much rebellion, it's going to affect us. How many think this is true so far? And so this is Jesus' warning to us to be very careful about this, to uh, really guard ourselves from letting our love cool. Let me read it again. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, that's the majority, will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So there's a dire warning here. Now Jesus comes in here and he doesn't really identify what he means by love growing cold. He spends so much time answering their question about the signs of the end. You know, he's telling them about wars and rumors of wars. And, you know, how many know that we spend a lot of time recognizing that there are a lot of signs that are all around us? We talk a lot about the wars and the rumors of wars. How many know the rumors of wars are as dangerous as the wars? You know, a lot of the things that are going on in the world today are because of their threatening rumors of wars. And uh, there's all kinds of things that I think that even a normal person can look at in this world and say, you know what, I believe we're at the very end. We're very close to the end and... And how many know we can all understand those signs, we can see those signs, we can recognize there's extreme rebellion, we can recognize the lawlessness, but we can somehow miss the one little line that says, beware, if you want to be saved in the end, don't let your love grow cold. Endure. How many think we've missed that a lot of times? We don't recognize that we're in danger of being blowed cool in our faith because of what's going on around us. And and please, recognize that 
These messages are not just a person coming here to speak his own message. My own message left me a long time ago. Okay, I've spent all week just saying, Lord, I have to hear you or I don't preach. You know, if I don't hear from you, Lord, I don't preach. So how many know when I bring a message like this, it's a warning to believers to guard yourself against allowing your love to grow cold. And uh, listen to this story here, an interesting story that I read. After a speech, a pro-life activist named Penny Lee approached, was approached by an older man. He was weeping and he told her that he had lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. Can you imagine living in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust? Can you imagine all the evil that's going on around you at that time? And you're trying to figure out, what can I do? It's complicated. It's not a simple thing. We all like to think we would jump right in the middle of the Nazi officers and stop, say stop. But what would we do in that situation? It's a desperate time. And it says he was weeping. He told her he lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. The entire town had heard the stories about what was happening to the Jews. But like most people today in this country, they tried to distance themselves from the reality of what was really taking place. What could anybody do to stop it anyway? A railroad track ran behind their small church. One Sunday morning, they became disturbed when they noticed cries for help coming from the train as it passed by. They grimly realized that the train was carrying Jews. And then said it was so terribly disturbing. We could do nothing to help those poor miserable people and their screams were tormenting us. We knew exactly at what time that whistle would blow and we decided the only way to keep from being so disturbed by the cries was to start singing our hymns. By the time the train came rumbling past the church, we were singing at the top of our voices. If some of the screams reached our ears, we'd just sing a little louder until we could hear them no more. Years have passed and nobody talks about it much anymore, but I still hear the train whistle in my sleep. I can still hear them crying out for help. God forgive all of us for calling ourselves Christians and we did nothing to intervene. Isn't that hard to hear? Because I don't know. I mean, it's complicated. I don't know what we could have or would have or should have done if I were in that man's situation. How many think that's a complicated thing? And man, we just see all this stuff going on around us. And um, and so I'm just looking at this warning to our generation. That's what this is. It's a warning to our generation. Young, middle-aged, old. It's Jesus warning us that Things are going to get really evil. And when they get really evil, I don't expect you to be cold in your love. I expect you to continue to love even though everything around you is anti-love, anti-God. And um, how many know that, uh, in fact, I was yesterday, I was sleeping. And man, just uh, worked all week and that Friday is so nice, I sleep and I worry sometimes. How many sleep so heavy you just worry sometimes? Man, I sleep so heavy and I sleep so good and sleep like a chubby little baby, you know, just 
just when I'm sleeping and and man just got up and felt so relaxed and so peaceful and and then I made a mistake I turned on the news and man I didn't realize what was going on and you know, Memphis I didn't realize all the things going on and all that peace that I had everything was it was a perfect day there was nothing around me to complain about nothing around me upsetting but you flip on the TV and then all of a sudden anxiety and stress and how many have ever felt that and that peace is gone and I'm afraid in our generation we run the risk of seeing so much crime, so many video clips, so many things that we're bombarded with. And how many know everybody that bombards us with that stuff has an agenda? You know, every opinion that is stated is on the extreme because it gets hits. Every clip is designed to elicit a reaction because uh, those are the ones that get views. How many know this? And so here we are, we run the risk of becoming really callous in our heart. Um, how many feel like it's hard to not have a calloused heart? Like where I'm not even sensitive anymore to people getting hurt. I'm not sensitive to crime anymore. I'm not sensitive to uh, people behaving certain ways to other people. And how many know we're losing our heart that loves By every passing day, everything that we watch, every opinion that we hear, we're becoming just like everything around us. And that's what God's calling us out of. He doesn't want us to have that. He doesn't want us to have the same heart that the rest of the world has. He wants us to have a warm, loving heart, not a cold heart. Um, So as we're looking along here, what... In fact, I... I was reading this story, and this is a story I'm sure all of you have heard. But how many have ever felt overwhelmed? It's like there's so many problems, so many issues, so many people that need things and have problems that I feel like I just can't do anything. I've never felt that way. And this story encourages me. I I don't know... I don't know... um, Truly how it plays out every day in life, but I love the story. It says, there was an old man who used to go to the ocean to do his writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began his work. Early one morning, he was walking along the shore after a big storm had passed and found the vast beach littered with starfish as far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. How many have heard this story? It's an old one. And it says, off in the distance, the old man noticed a small boy approaching. As the boy walked, he passed so every so often, and he grew closer and closer. The man could see that he was occasionally bending down to pick up an object and throw it into the sea. The boy came closer still, and the man called out, Good morning, may I ask you what it is that you are doing? The young boy paused, looked up, and replied, Throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide has washed them into the beach, and they can't return to the sea by themselves. The youth replied, When the sun gets high, they will die until I throw them back in the water. The old man replied, but there's tens of thousands of starfish on the beach. I may feel like that every day. Tens of thousands of starfish. I'm afraid you won't really be making a difference, son. 
The boy bent down, picked up yet another starfish, and threw it as far as he could in the ocean. Turned to the man and smiled and said, it made a difference for that one. Picked up another one. He said, made a difference for that one. (laughs) Picked up another one. Made a difference for that one. And how many know that's what this world is like? There's so much, like tens of thousands of starfish every day. And you say, man, I can't possibly make a difference. And, And, you know, one at a time is what God's asking us to do. So what does it mean? How do we define what it means for your love to grow cold? Because if Jesus doesn't define it in Matthew 24, he just talks more about the end times. Is there anywhere in the Bible where it seems to be defined pretty well? And I think one of the best places to look that really defines it well is is in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you would turn there. I thought I put that in my notes, but I didn't. Right, Second Timothy chapter 3, it says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in what? In the last days. How many think we're in the last days? So Paul is warning us like Jesus did. That there will be terrible times in the last days. How many think we're in terrible times? I think we probably are. And so I'm glad the Bible is preparing us for that. And it says, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. How many think that is a description of the world around us right now? I think it's almost as if Paul was walking around and watching YouTube every day. And just watching online all the things that are posted every day. And there's just so much. And and so my real desire in this message today is to bring a message from the Lord. Is how not to let our hearts grow cold. How many want that? not to be cold in our hearts. And so this is not going to be, um, these aren't aren't going to be enjoyable words. You know, but I I feel like I need them and I feel like everybody here needs them to guard ourselves from losing our love, our heart growing cold. The message is cold heart. So number one, and I just took three broad topics out of Paul's list there because Paul is actually, Paul is uh, describing what Jesus called cold heart or cold love. Okay, he's describing it there in those verses. He's saying in the last days, this is what the cold heart looks like. How many would agree with that? He's defining what Jesus, in fact, he's probably piggybacking off Jesus' words. He's probably seeing that Jesus wrote that in the last days and he's probably describing what it looks like. So let me give you the first thing that we need to watch out. Four, 
In 2 Timothy 3.2 it says, For men shall be lovers of what? Their own selves. And so in order to protect ourselves from letting our heart grow cold like the world, we don't want to be just like the world because we're going to be, um, when, when that food comes out of the microwave hot, what is it desiring to do? Besides me eating it. <laughs> that temperature is fighting to get back to the room temperature, Right? And so if we don't have a source of heat in our heart, we're going to revert back to what's around us, our environment. And so we're going to go back to the cold heart unless we have a source of heat or warmth within us. And so if the Holy Spirit is not there, if God is not kindling uh, that in our heart, in fact, it says um, uh, in in the Bible in Timothy, it says to kindle that gift, kindle that fire that's within your heart. And how many have ever sat by a campfire and you were in charge of uh, removing the ashes from the hot coals? You know, you expose those nice hot coals, you build a nice little uh, base above it. How many think you're the best at that? There's, I know there's some of us that think we're the best. Yeah, all right, there we go. We've got two best over here. <laughs> but that's all we're doing spiritually. We're trying to get those hot coals where we were on fire for God. And we're looking for some kind of fuel to keep that thing burning to the end, right? Hallelujah. And so the first thing that Paul kind of pinpoints here is uh, we love ourselves too much. And that's where it gets difficult, you know, because we want to say, man, the world, there's some selfish people out there. Man, there's some selfish people out there. How many think that's easy? Um, But it's really, it's so hard to say I'm the selfish person. Like, I am the selfish person, and, and I think you're a healthier person when you say to yourself, I have the propensity to be exceptionally selfish. Now, that can be followed up with, I deserve to be selfish. I've worked hard. I've been through a lot. How many do this? I'm the only one here. All right. I'm trying to make us healthy people. I'm not trying to give you things that will... Tickle your ears, okay? If we admit we all were at one point selfish and all fight to be selfish still, I mean, just think about when you were a baby. Think about the person that taught you to fight for toys. You know, just watch them for a little bit, the selfish little creatures. (laughs) Right? And if somebody doesn't intervene and help them learn how to share... Help them to learn how to deal with authority. They will maintain that selfish attitude into their teenage years. How many have seen this? Unrestricted, they're the same child as a teenager. You're not going to believe this. I've seen it in the 20s. I've seen it in the 30s. I've seen 60 and 70 year olds that are still that selfish. And so he's saying that they will be lovers of themselves. And then he goes on to say, lovers of money, boastful, proud, and abusive. He connects that all with loving themselves too much. How many can see that connection? 
A lover of themselves is a lover of money, boastful, proud, and abusive. And so, well, how, let's not let's not use ourselves. How many see that in the world around us? I mean, it's like everywhere. And if we're not careful, everything that's around us is going to become us. And so, in order to not have a heart that is cold. We've got to guard ourselves from loving ourselves too much. And I know that's the anti-message of the day. Because the message of the day is love yourself. You don't love yourself enough. (laughs) And God's saying if you'll love him more than you love yourself. I mean, no, everything you do for yourself. In fact, I put down here the pursuing pleasure, pursuing success, Pursuing material treasures at all costs creates an idol and it devalues the human beings around you. How many see that in the world around us? And how many know that a lot of our behavior is because of the fact that we're proud? And what God is trying to do is preserve us. He's trying to help us maintain a passion for him in the middle of a world that is quickly on its way to destruction. We're close to the end and we can't get, we can't get away from the love of ourself. And he's saying that love of yourself is destructive and it may seem harmless, but it's going to destroy your life. In fact, uh, this is a pretty interesting love of self. The man who lives by himself and for himself is apt to be corrupted by the company that he keeps. A man cannot help but grow cold when he has cut himself off from everything and everyone that could have provided warmth to his soul. Think about that. What... Think, think of every sin in the world, how it's connected to love of self. And you say, well, man, I hate you, Jed. You're up here acting like you're not a selfish person. I'm saying that it is my enemy and it is your enemy. It's our enemy every day uh, fighting through the Holy Spirit to not be a selfish person. We're all fighting that same thing. Isn't it amazing that he says in the last days... There will be terrible times and he says people will be, and the first thing he says is, lovers of their own self. That that shocks me. The second thing he kind of, phrase that kind of sticks out to me is, in 2 Timothy 3.3, it says, King James says it this way, without natural affection, truce breaker, false accuser, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. New King James says, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, and despisers of what is good. So the one that caught my attention was without natural affection. Without natural affection simply means this. The people that you should love, you don't even love them. That means your wife, your kids, your family members, your church members... This means that the person has went from loving themselves too much that that has extended now 
And now I can't even hardly love people that I'm supposed to love. You say, well, I love them, but I'm just saying, do we really, really show love toward them? And so here it is going to the second level here. They love themselves too much. Then they had trouble even loving the people they're supposed to love. This is what I'm talking about, the last days. This is how the heart gets cold. How many have ever felt that coldness creeping in? We can be honest in church. And we're trying to avoid this from ever happening. We don't want this to happen. We don't want to be like the world. We don't want to be the ones where Jesus says, will you leave too? They said, well, we have nowhere else to go. The third thing. So they've they've loved themselves too much. They're not loving the people they're supposed to love the most. And then the third term that really catched my attention is in 2 Timothy 3, 4. He says, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. I think this is what started the whole thing off. It doesn't say that there that pleasures are wrong, only love God and don't love pleasures. It doesn't say that. God loves to see his people uh, pleased and have a good time. But how many know God put boundaries on that? And our number one priority in life is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind and all of our soul. And how many know if you look or in fact, this shocks me. I would have never thought that we would be this close to the end. We've been preaching about the end for 30 years. And we're this close to the end. Who would have ever guessed that people are dropping away from Christ in vast numbers? Look around you and you say, well, Chad, that's just you. This is every church in this city. Every pastor I talk to, this is what's happening. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. What does that mean? That means that I don't have to go to church on Sunday. I can do what I enjoy doing. I don't have to be a part of a church. I'm not planning a church. I'm the church myself. We don't need to plug in and do things for God in this community. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. God wants us to draw together. And in these last days, God wants us to have a heart that is warm for God, that is hot for God, that is burning like a fire for God. But he said, in the last days, what is going to happen? The love of many is going to grow cold and they're going to drift away from God. The love of the majority, you hear that? The love of the majority will grow cold. And today I'm warning you, if you want to endure Until the end, we can't be a part of that group. And and so what is the answer? The answer is not busyness. In fact, Revelation 2, Jesus said to the church in Ephesus, they were a working, disciplined, persevering church. They were highly active in everything that they did. And guess what he told them? He says, you have left your first love. They left their loving path. How many know that the things that you do for other people and for your church is because of, first, your love for God? It's I love God so much that I want this to overflow to other people. And so the number one thing is, what is our relationship with God? And 
And uh, how many have ever watched the movie? I, I highly, highly encourage you to watch it. How many have ever watched uh, Paul the Apostle of Christ? Movie that came out recently, and boy, is that a great movie. It uh, spends a lot of time with Paul uh, at the end of his ministry, and he's about to die, and he's in prison. And you see how harsh the prison is? See how harsh his life is? And every time they come in and talk to him, he's uttering words that later would become scriptures. And uh, he's going through a harsh time. In fact, I know most everybody's situation and almost nobody, I, I don't think I've ever met anybody that was going through a harder time than Paul. And I could go in and give you a solution, you know, a three points of here's how we keep our heart from growing cold. But I would rather just read Paul's words because Paul's about to die in the worst prison in the world at this time. And he's the one talking about having the cold heart to beware. And here's the, what it looks like in the last days. And, and here's what he says. He says, you, however, know all about my teaching. You know about my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know, my persecutions and my sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions that I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers, listen to this, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it from. And how in your infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. Can I leave you with that? Can you write that down, that verse? You know, that is um, 2 Timothy 2, 10 to 17. And um, you say, well, man, what's the three-step plan here? What is the way that I don't allow my heart to get cold? Paul gave it to you right there. How many of you know the Bible is equipped? The Bible is equipped to help you endure to the end. The Bible has the equipment there give you everything that you need to get through everything in life. Paul used it to get through all the persecutions, all the things that he went through. And you say, well, man, what does that look like in my life? That looks like open up the Word of God every day, finding out as much as you can about that Word of God and living it out. It means getting up every day and say, Spirit of God, let me live this out today. Don't let my heart be cold. Don't let me act like the people around me. Let me be full of the Holy Spirit. Let me live the way you want me to live because I do not want a cold heart. I am not walking away from you. I'm not leaving you. You can sit here and you can give me all the sad stories you want. But it comes down to, I am serving the Lord. I am not going anywhere. Where else would I go? I'm going to live through you no matter what happens in my life. I'm going to live for God. And we've got to determine, church, just like Jesus said, will you leave too? Will you leave too? Because in the American church, 
We don't want, if we, we go through something, we're like, well, man, I've been through an awful lot. I've got an excuse. Have you looked at what Paul went through? I mean, watch that movie, The Apostle of Christ. That movie is all about the moments right before he got his head chopped off and he was in the sewer system of Rome in the worst prison in the world and he's trying to tell you to have great joy. We need to toughen up, church. We want to come in and we want somebody to tickle our ears. Tell me it's okay. And we can't do that. We've got to... Hold on to Christ with everything we have and endure to the end because there is no other way. There is no other hope. This world is quickly coming to its end and this is the final stretch and people are dropping off one after another and their faith and their love is getting cold. Their love toward God is cold. Love toward their family is cold. And, their, and, and the third one was they love themselves too much. And we've got to get ourselves focused back on God. Focused back on living for God. In fact, uh, Braxton, we were talking about it just the other day. We have been called to serve God. We've been called to serve people. Okay, if you were in a restaurant and you were called to serve, what would you be doing? Hey, my drink's empty. Which one are you, the one with the empty drink or the one filling the drink? You're the one putting more food on the table. You're the one putting dinner rolls on the table. You're the one filling the cup. You're the one serving. Well, we've been asked to serve God, and we become the consumer. We're like, you know what? That church, they didn't fill my drink when I was empty. They didn't fill it up enough times. They weren't nearly responsive enough to my empty drink. They didn't come bring more food to the table when I asked. They didn't greet me at the door. You need to stop being a consumer and grow up and be a person who serves. Say, well, man, I don't have to hear that. I can go somewhere else. Well, go somewhere else. You've been doing it your whole life. Keep going somewhere else. But when you're ready to serve, serve and quit playing games. Quit going to the next place. And you say, well, man, you're talking. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm talking by what God told me this week. We got a whole church full of consumers. And we need a church full of people who serve. Serve. That's what God's calling us to do. If you want to see your heart grow cold, quit serving. And that heart will get so cold so quick. Because God is, in fact, when Timothy says, Stir up the gift what's in you. It's serving. Serve up that, you know, stir up that gift. It's serving people. And when you stop serving, guess what happens? That love just grows cold. We become like the world. I would not, there's nothing I would, I don't, man, what would I give up to be like the world? You know, I mean, what would God have to do to make me want to be like the world again? Church, we don't want to be like the world. We want to be like Christ. We want to be on fire for God. We want to be those that are getting closer, not farther away. And I'm sorry I'm so plain spoken. I told you it wouldn't be pretty, but this is what God has been speaking to me all week. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. And let me say, as we go to the Lord in prayer, a lot of people are going through a lot of things. But it doesn't change the fact we've got to fight. 
We've got to fight with everything in us. We cannot walk away from God. There's no other place for eternal life. You know, when we lose God, we lose everything. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord. And um, Lord, I just pray that you do what your will is for this message. Lord, I can only deliver it. But Lord, I just pray that it would be received in the right spirit. Lord, these are difficult times, the Bible says. Jesus, you said the majority will grow cold. And Lord, I just pray right now that um, our spirits would be awakened. Lord, that the harshness of the message would um, wake us up to the fact that we're sliding away from you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we would gather ourselves and draw closer to you again, Lord God, no matter what. No matter what we have to lose, Lord God, no matter what they say, no matter how difficult the road is, Lord God, we, we don't want to give up, we don't want to look back, we don't want to do like the disciples of Jesus that went back to the life that they had before, Lord. We want to stay today focused on you. As we go to the Lord in prayer and we worship here today, I just want to invite you. You can have make an altar at your seat. You can come up here and we lay hands on you. But just find a place and make that commitment. Commitment to Christ. And all it is is no matter what happens, Lord. No matter what happens, Lord God. I will serve you, Lord. And if you'll do that, God will give you every resource that you need. You'll say, man, I don't know. I'm going through the hardest time right now. Paul said that God brought him through every hard time. Every person of God, even though it was difficult, even though it was the darkest of the darkest of the dark that they went through. Trust me, when Paul was in that sewer, go look up the sewer that he was put in prison in. Only one person could be there at a time, and it was the worst in the world. It was harsh. So when he writes, he knows what he's talking about. He was taking daily beatings. He barely walked straight because of the beatings that he took. But he was trusting God no matter what to the very end. And I would encourage you today, whatever you have to do, make that commitment. No matter what happens, I'm going to live for God. No matter what happens, I'm going to serve God. No matter what, I'm not going to doubt God. I'm going to trust Him through the darkest hour. Hallelujah. And so as we go to the Lord and worship here, I want you to, whatever you have to do, like I said, make an altar at your seat. You come up here, we can pray with you. But just talk to God today. Hallelujah. in a word of prayer. Something I wrote down here that I was just really... I think a lot of times it's where we uh, struggle as far as daily living. 
and that is we see everything around us and we want to preserve ourselves. So we go into this self-preservation mold. How many know what I'm talking about? You see everything going around and we're like, man, I'm going to preserve myself. And because the problems are too difficult to conquer, I'm just not going to do anything. And so listen to this. Between, there is a line between being quiet and being cold. I may know that. Sometimes we're just quiet because we don't know what to do. Or we're quiet because we know it's a situation where we're not to do anything. But how many know quiet can turn into cold? And that's one of the lines we've got to have the Holy Spirit to help us every day and be led by the Holy Spirit. Because there are many times you should just be quiet. You know, God doesn't want you to intervene in a lot of situations. But see, that can't turn into being cold. Silence, there's a big line there between silence and not caring. How many know that? If you don't know, if you're not led by the Holy Spirit, you can't allow your go to yourself a place in your life where you just don't care. That can't happen. That's a whole different boundary there. Or how about being guarded as opposed to being unwilling to help anybody? I mean, no, sometimes God put being guarded there. Because there are certain situations that you would be a fool to get involved in certain situations. But how many know that being guarded can't make you unwilling to help anybody? you say well man how do I know the difference and that's where we get in trouble we just want to bolt and lock the church doors where nobody can get in so we'll be safe but how many know the Holy Spirit is the difference getting up every day and being led by the Holy Spirit Uh, James says if you lack wisdom ask because he will give it to you and so what we're trying to avoid is being cold hearted And the only way to avoid being cold-hearted is to be led every day by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, seek your guidance today, Lord. Lord, that you would help your people be led by your Word and led by your Spirit. Lord, that we would not be cold-hearted, we would not be unwilling to help, Lord, that we wouldn't be uncaring, Lord God. But Lord, but by your Spirit, Lord God, you would enable us and equip us and empower us to do everything that you called us to do, Lord God. Lord, that we would have a soft heart and open ears to your Spirit, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would speak daily and you would be our closest companion, I pray. Anoint your people this last hour, Lord, to be a mighty force for you, Lord. Mighty, Lord God. In the time of darkness, that they would be, like you promised, a great light, Lord, in the midst of it. Mighty things with your people, Lord. You 
your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Everybody said, Amen.